Turning to our gospel reading, <coughs> Ian has chosen some words from Luke chapter 2. Jesus presented in the temple. So we're at chapter 2, we're starting at verse 21. <coughs> Excuse me, let's hear the word of God. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, <coughs> me, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem named called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to, her a, and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel, of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Amen. May God bless to us this reading from his word. Well, Christmas has come, and the Saviour's birth has been celebrated. Now it's all passed for another year. I was amazed to see following the news that this, that this new variant of the COVID-19 was discovered, meaning that the virus was spreading more rapidly. Uh, the government had announced new restrictions, fresh lockdown measures, and one of the newspaper's headlines said, Christmas cancelled, uh, and I just laughed, no, Christmas not cancelled. What happened at Christmas? 
God coming down to earth, God entering humanity, the incarnation, the word made flesh cannot be canceled. It happened 2,000 years ago, and it is as immutable and undoable as the resurrection. And so it is an eradicable fact of history. Now, of course, we know that the Christmas celebration on the 25th of December developed in the 4th century AD. The birth of our Lord Jesus, which we've just been celebrating, almost certainly did not occur on the 25th of December. But probably uh, at the end of September, beginning of October, at the time of the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles. He came to tabernacle among us. It was pagan festivals relating to the return of the sun, S-U-N, after the winter solstice, the Roman Saturnalia feast, that Christianity took over and changed from the rebirth of the first signs of the sun returning and the days getting longer of the S-U-N, the rebirth of the S-U-N to the birth of the S-O-N. They changed it. And it was good to celebrate the victory of the S-U-N returning from its lowest point, but how much more fitting to celebrate Jesus, the light of the world, the divine light, greater even than the lights of creation. That Jesus, light of the world, was born is without doubt. That's impossible to cancel. How we arrange, of course, our planned social gatherings, our human celebrations, of course, may be altered. In this year, meetings have been cancelled, celebrations have been cancelled, football matches and large indoor congregations have been cancelled. But Christ coming into the world as the Savior is God's master plan. And the real Jesus did come. And that coming would overturn and revolutionize the whole outlook of humanity. For his coming has brought light into our spiritual darkness. His coming has brought healing into our soul sickness. His coming has brought integration into our inner brokenness. And his coming has brought forgiveness into our guilty sinless sinfulness. And his coming has brought salvation into our lostness. So today, we're actually going to look at the first, the first six weeks of our Lord's life. And we note the Jewish customs that Jesus had to go through with Joseph and Mary. And we also meet two Jewish believers who were expecting what Luke calls the consolation of Israel. A man and a woman. Jesus was brought up a Jew. His parents were devout Jews. And he went through all the Jewish rites of all Jewish boys would go. Paul was correct in saying, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law. Under the law of Moses. Under the law of Israel. To redeem those under the law. On the eighth day, he was circumcised and given his name, Jesus, Savior. The outward mark 
of belonging to the covenant with circumcision. It's begun by Abram millennia before. Hebrews, in, in Hebrew, it speaks of cutting a covenant as an offering is cut and parted and parties come between the offering and are brought together. The cutting away of the foreskin was a vivid physical symbol of that covenant with God. The Jews prided themselves on that sign of belonging to God. But the prophets emphasized the real meaning of the need to cut away all that is evil in a believer's life. So there was the circumcision on the eighth day. Next came the presentation in the temple, the presentation of the infant Jesus. That was done at 40 days, nearly six weeks. And it had a double aspect. First, the mother, for the, for the mother, 40 days after the birth, an act of purification made, allowed her to attend the temple and the synagogue after that time. The flow of blood in women was meant that they were ceremonially unclean and could not gather to worship until the ceremony was completed. So at the 40 days, Mary's welcome back. Second, it's for the infant. Jesus was a firstborn son, and firstborn sons were considered as belonging to the Lord. And the law required an offering to be made to redeem them to life here on, on earth. So at base, life is always seen as a gift from God. We don't take it lightly. And the redemption ceremony underlies our indebtedness to the maker and creator of all. Scholars trace this back to the escape from Egypt when God killed all the firstborn of Egypt, but spared the Hebrew firstborn because the blood of the lamb was on the door. And so the firstborn owed their life to the blood of the lamb. And so they would be free from bondage follow him. Leviticus 12 prescribes a year old lamb for the redemption and a dove. But if they were poor, two young pigeons could be offered instead. Mary and Joseph made the poor man's offering. So we see it was an ordinary home into which Jesus was born, a home where there were no luxuries, a home where every penny had to be considered and where members knew all about the difficulties of making ends meet and the haunting insecurity of life. Our Lord's family knew that. And if this year has brought us extra worries, as no doubt it has, we must remember that our Lord, the Savior of the world, endured financial difficulties, getting food, clothes, and shelter. Although, interesting enough, the gifts of the wise men must have helped them tremendously in the first years. That gold, that frankincense, 
that matter. Precious things. To keep them in the midst of running away. So, yes, our representative on earth endured hardships and dangers, which are the lot of many on earth still. Next, we see, as they're in the temple, and this is the uh, six, is nearly six weeks old, and we see two Jewish people in the temple waiting to offer a blessing on this child, Jesus. Although the scribes and the teachers of the law knew the ancient promises, it's astonishing that not one of these scholars looking at the word and believing in the great God understood the Messiah was here. None felt the touch of the Spirit moving them to acknowledge Jesus as the hope of the nation. Only shepherds on the hillside, eastern sages from far away, and now two devout Jews, a man and a woman from both sides. Wow, isn't that lovely to think that when we're in touch with the Spirit, see him. We feel him. We know him. How wonderful that God can speak to ordinary people in every age if we're tuned in to listen to his spirit. So we could ask, how attentive are you and I? Simeon is described as righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. Simeon believed with all his heart that God would comfort his people as the ancient prophets said, and bring them salvation. But he had more. He was given this special insight by the Holy Spirit, and he was fasting and praying. He was serious about this business. And he was given this insight that he would see Messiah in his lifetime. And no wonder he didn't leave the temple. He was afraid to miss it in case so he was always at the house in the presence of God. Came daily. He was not going to miss the coming of Messiah. And while he is praising the child, along comes an octogenarian. <laughs> Bless her. Thank God for people praising God in their 80s. She had been married for seven years only in a young days, and now waiting at 84, she joins. Many have pictured Simeon as elderly, although the Bible doesn't say he's at his age, tells Anna's age. But his age is not given, except that when his eyes saw and rested on the infant Jesus, he says, now, Lord, you can dismiss your servant. I have seen it all. And in Latin, the dismiss is dimittis, nunc dimittis, now dim, depart. So that's how we know the song, the nunc dimittis. Simeon is saying, I don't need to experience anything more. I have seen with my own eyes the light of the world, the glory of Israel. Lord, you have done what you've promised. And I can... Now die in peace. You can let me go. And he begins to sing this wonderful song. As the other songs we've already seen in Luke. 
He sings before his marveling parents, and there's his parents standing as this man is pouring out his soul. It's a song of worship. Oh, yes. He was praising God for keeping his promise and bringing salvation to Israel. And he's looking directly at the one who would bring salvation to Israel, the glory to Israel. When God was in, in this, the temple, the glory, the Shekinah, almost was too much for people to bear. When God left, it was said, the glory departed and the people lost their place and were defeated. But now is a time of hope as we worship the Savior. And we too have the glory with us through by his Spirit. A song of worship. Secondly, it's a song of salvation. Simeon was holding this child in his arms. He's holding salvation in his arms. Wow. And this little face he's looking into, he's saying, I'm seeing salvation with my eyes. What a picture. This is all I need. I'm ready to depart. The word they dismiss is um, in the Greek is when you take off the yoke of an animal at the end of the day, his work is finished. You dismiss, you take, release it. And Simeon is saying, now my earthly work is over. I can get... And it's also spoken of when a vessel is leaving um, the harbor, the un, a loosening of the moorings, and the boat drifts and goes away. And so it is that he is loosed from his earthly ties, Simeon, and he is singing the song of salvation. So it's a song of worship, a song of salvation. It's a song of mission. Anna speaks of Jesus as the one to um, set Jerusalem free, the redemption of Jerusalem. Simeon goes further. He speaks of Jesus as a light of revelation of God to the Gentiles, to all people. He saw beyond Jewry and he's praising God that God would lighten the whole world. So it's a song of mission, sending out. And he saw God's mission as to the whole of the world and that includes, praise God, includes Motherwell too. He would lighten the world and we have seen the light 2,000 years down the line. This baby was God's gift to the whole world and all peoples would be blessed in him. So a song of worship, salvation, mission, and the last thing, a warning of division and pain. Amid the glowing praise, Simeon offers two notes, somber notes of warning and sorrow, which show remarkable prophetic insight, the Spirit speaking through him, that this baby would become. This child, he says, is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Wow, what a thing to say about an infant. Yes, it would be true that Jesus would divide. His preaching would annoy people and would, would bring violent opposition when they didn't believe what he was saying. But 
It also arose the joy and uplift to all who rejoiced in this gracious man's teaching and welcomed him. And 2,000 years later, history is still divided into these two, as it were, seesaw things, the rising and the fall. We have his peace offered to us, his forgiveness to rule in our lives, and to all who accept it, we welcome. But there are those who still will not accept and so are in the dark. The other thing that Simeon said to his parents was, and he's looking probably at Mary when he said it, a sword would pierce your soul. How scary is that? Mary pondered a lot of things that went on at that early birth time, and she would ponder this too. And 33 years later, Mary might have recalled Simeon's words as she looked up at that cross and saw her son dying in agony before her eyes and that sword piercing her soul. Yes, the Lord did die. That's what he came to do for us all. So this child grew in strength grew in wisdom and God's grace shone out of him. This perfect life of grace and truth thrusts a laser beam on all evil, all hatred and all godlessness. Jesus does divide for the gift of his offer of life is either received or spurned. Be sure of this. The gospel message stands before us all today as a challenge to all who feel they don't need a saviour and won't accept his lordship. But it is for us here, our joy and our hope for us all who believe. For we, at the end of the day, people will be divided for or against him, for or against his offer of salvation, for or against his rule of lordship. I remember the old gospel hymn, Jesus is standing at Pilate's hall, friendless, forsaken, betrayed by all. Hark well, what meaneth this sudden call? What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? Amen. Thanks be to God for his word.